Do you have the day off today? No, no, ah, not even a little bit. All right, well then I won't, I won't uh, rub it in too much. I'll just yeah. let my question speak for itself. Yeah, I obviously asked for a reason. <laughs> and no, my company doesn't give us a day off until May. That's our first quote-unquote holiday. Even though like most of the world has had like two or three paid holidays by then. Seriously. Um. So that's, but whatever. They give me like Christmas Eve off and like they pay for Christmas Eve and uh, Black Friday basically. So they, we get both Thanksgiving and the day after and, you know, so I'm like, all Christmas right. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But I'll take it. It sucks. I, but I mean, first world problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, right now you're employed, which exactly. is, you know, that's something. Yeah. 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 It is something. <laughs> but before the darkness of my depression at the job that I work sets in, let's hit an intro and jump into it. Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognize the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkle Do podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. <laughs> I'm just trying to lighten it up. You know, let's oh my right into it. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Just to be clear. I'm just trying to lighten things up by talking about how depressed I am. Okay. Okay. All right. That- <laughs> figuring some things out we're good we're good oh man have you had anything good to drink yeah man actually uh just today so i was uh, uh i'll just mention it very briefly i was off the clock today um but next weekend we've got a, a men's retreat at the school that we're putting on and so myself nice. and the dean got together to just talk about some final logistical things um with that, but we met up at Black Rock Coffee. Okay, I've been wanting to try them out. They're a big chain, but they're popping up everywhere. Yeah, that was kind of... Uh, it, it's a place I've heard good things about. And so I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty tasty. Um, it was definitely one of those things, you know, I got a, a massive drip. When they asked what size, I said, what's the biggest one you've got? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, when I drank it at first, you know, really hot, coming straight off it, and I'm not good at patience. So first mm-hmm. I scalded all of my taste buds yep. to make sure yep. I wouldn't notice anything. Yep. Um, but there was still, you know, kind of that chocolate base that we look for in a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff we do. But as it started to get kind of closer to room temperature or warm without, again, you know, burning my mouth, mm-hmm. um, there was like kind of a just sort of a a, a fruit note to it okay. uh, it wasn't it wasn't the citrus brightness mm-hmm. um but there was something uh, i wouldn't go so far as to say that it was like juicy because it definitely wasn't but there were like some of those uh is it the stone fruit that has kind of like the mild kind of dark sweetness to it so a stone fruit is a cherry an apricot uh a plum Okay, so there so, might have been might have been something along those lines because like plum is probably the closest that I'm going to get from mm-hmm. like my actual database sure. to to what it was. It was though it was it was tasty, um, and you know it did the job. It kept that you know 
it was actually really kind of cool. It's like, oh, here's a meaningful conversation happening over a beverage I'm really enjoying. How lovely. Nice. nice. Um, but yeah, it was good, man. Nice. I want to try. I'm going to try them out. They opened one not too far from my place. And the fact that they actually have a second note, flavor note in their coffee is kind of a big deal for a big chain, in my opinion. Yeah. The fact that it wasn't just like burnt and let's see what happens. Or yeah, we're just, yeah, exactly. A one note usually burned mm-hmm. um, thing there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I actually had a coffee, too, that was surprisingly good. Went to uh, a Dolce Vita, which is a local little local shop, and I've kind of been watching their journey on Instagram. So you know, it's like two girls. I think they started a farmer's market, had a cart, opened up a shop. You know, they priced, like, when the market went crazy, they, like, raised the rent on them to basically, Oof. you know, passively evict them. So then they had to start over and then they were in another building. And, and so they've had like this pretty interesting journey to get there. And so I finally was out on that side of town. So I stopped in and it's like, it's a little bit of a little bit more hippie than I'm, you know, than, you know, it wasn't my vibe. The place right, wasn't, right. you know, they, they were like, what kind of milk would you like? I was like, oh, just regular milk. They go, oh, we have almond, oat and coconut. Yeah. Like <laughs> legitimately. Milk milk is the only kind we do not have. Yeah. Cow's milk? None of that, huh? Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, it was something like their winter latte or something. And, and it it was cinnamon, nutmeg, uh, I don't know, like a brown sugar syrup. And then it had an orange zest in it. Oh. So it was nice. really... Interesting. And then you add the espresso. The espresso was really chocolatey. So it was kind of brown, spicy. And then it had this just enough citrus zest in it to brighten it up. Like it was kind of almost like if you took a chocolate covered orange, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sprinkled, sprinkled some like uh, cinnamon on it. It was not bad, man. I was going to say that doesn't sound like something I would hate. Yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I was 50 50. That's the one I'm sticking to because I got another one and it was like so meh that. We were just like, man, that that was not even worth talking about. So it was, it was, but the, at least one of them was really good. So I, nice. I was, yeah. And they found their tribe. I mean, I, I was in there. They were doing like a tarot card reading in the corner, and and I'm just like, this is, this is not me. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I'm gonna take I mean, mine that, to go. <laughs> yeah, that that is pretty supremely not us, but. <laughs> If the drinks are good, that's what you're there for. Uh, that, but... That's what I was there for then. Yeah. Right. Which is, yep, why I don't go back. <laughs> that and that it's like an hour drive away. So. Oofta. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, all right. I think we're uh, planning on wrapping up our gushing of the Silmarillion. Yeah, uh, until the next time. Because yeah. like, I'm, I'm literally at all times just sitting here waiting for an opportunity to mm-hmm. pry this door back open and be like, hey, there's so much more here. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think there are so many people who are like at a level of depth when they're talking about Tolkien um, that is just like something beautiful and impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it it's quite frankly not us. Like this is intro level, like yeah. our thoughts that are triggered by it. Um, and I'm always here for a Tolkien appreciation, but if yeah. if someone is looking for like a deep dive into the world of Tolkien, you just go ahead and you hit me up. I will let you know about one of the like 15 different podcasts out there yeah. that I have come across that are phenomenal. 
Yeah, it's surprising how how rich it is. So I would also warn like those of you who like if you if it did pique your interest and you get out there, like the Tolkien nerds aren't always the most gracious. Because it's like a super highbrow nerdiness. They can yeah, be for some like, of them it really, really is. Yeah, they can be very not nice sometimes. So like I, I I'm in a couple of Facebook groups and like the Tolkien one is always the most like like I have to like if I ever post anything, like I have to like double triple over it on everything. Because they don't even like like if you say that it's a quote by Tolkien, but it was from the books. They're like, this is not by Tolkien. This was spoken by Galadriel on page fifty-seven, verse four, type three. This is erroneously misquoted. Administrator, we ask you to remove this post. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, whatever, dude. I can't do okay. it, man. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, no, that's that's a level of intensity. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's again not me, but yeah. But it's good, man. Like the Tolkien stuff is super rich. And I think the big thing that stuck out to me because it kind of resonates with with what I'm working on this whole year is uh, just the idea of stewardship. And so there was this idea that popped into my brain early. And it was a question that I'm, I like, it's from the beginning of the book. So, like, it would have made sense for us to talk about it at the very beginning. But it also kind of makes sense to do it as the wrap-up because really when you're looking at all of it, I mean, there's this is kind of the whole thing, right? Like, yeah. And so the rhetorical question is, if you were plucked up and placed in the Garden of Eden, what would you do, mm-hmm. right? Would you kick your feet up and relax in paradise or would you go work like gardening and brushing animals? And I don't, I don't know. Yeah. The stuff that you, the stuff, the work that would need to be done. Right. Whatever the work was. Yeah. And, and we do know that there was some, but that it wasn't toil. Right. Like it wasn't like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, so I'll be honest when I saw that question, I was like, I mean, there's I don't the- know why there's a second option after kick your feet up in lounge. <laughs> All of the food is like on the trees. Just go grab some when you're hungry. Uh, but at the same time, like the more I sat there with it, the more I'm like, ah, you know what? Actually, I say that, but I say that as someone who doesn't consistently have the option. Because as soon as I do mm. over a longer period of time, like there is something great about genuine rest and like mm-hmm. resting, but it quickly becomes like an idleness that actually does drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. Like um, if I've got, you know, even just a couple weeks off for the Christmas break, it's one of those things where I've got to schedule some things for me to do. Yeah. I've got to have a list of things for me to knock out and take care of, even if they're not super impressive or super big. But like, as much as I love the idea of saying, ah, oh, three-day weekend, I am going to take at least one, if not two of those days to just never leave my room. Mm-hmm. I will get up long enough to go get something to eat, and then I will lay back down. And it sounds really appealing until I try and do it. Yeah. And then, like, it's so clear that that's not what I'm made for. Right. But we, but we run at 
a hundred miles an hour nonstop. And so like when you're, when you're just burning the candle at both ends, the only thing you can think of is not doing something. Yep. You know, and we've, we've, we've done, I don't know, like five or six podcasts on rest versus, um, or, or yeah, like actual leisure versus that's what it is, leisure versus rest rest. or something. Yeah. And so I, I think that's an interesting point is the, the opportunity to rest is so few and far between that I, I have to admit that like my my gut response was also like <clears throat> what I would really want to do is you know take a minute like I would probably want to you know because again that's how yeah. I, like when I go camping right camping would be the best comparison for me to um Actually, this might like bite me in the butt. Actually, as I'm thinking through it, but like <laughs> when we go camping, I actually am so wound so tight that like I'm a busybody. Like I'm working and organizing and doing and chopping wood and gathering, and I can't relax. And it takes me a little while, and then I can learn to kind of settle in and I can work and relax at the same time. And so I guess for me, actually, like my emotional response because when I'm out here at the house, like I'm go, go, go. And I like, I just want to relax. But then my experience is that when I have the opportunity to relax, I'm incapable of it. And, but it's not enjoyable. Like that first day of vacation isn't nice for me. Like it's a lot of stress because like, it's just like all of my built up stress just pouring out of my everything. And so that that's interesting because I also think as, as you were talking about the opportunity for rest, as soon as you said opportunity, my brain switched over to something different and it was the opportunity to do something that you love. That, and that's kind of where I was getting ready to go too. Cause it was like, I think the big difference is like that first day, what you're talking about is toil. Yes. It's a list of things that you feel like absolutely positively must get done or else everything else falls apart. Right. And then once you kind of get to that, like part where I thought it was so incredible when you talked about the idea of being able to work and relax at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because now it's like, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm doing this, and yeah, it needs to happen, but I'm enjoying the the doing. Yeah. And I think bringing it back into the Silmarillion, that's kind of what we see with the the Valar when they come, when they enter into creation. Like, that's their choice mm-hmm. to come down and enter into creation. And the reason is because... They are so in awe of and in love with what they were shown as the vision yeah. of what their song has done mm-hmm. that they desire to be close to it and to work with it. And again, like there's not this a couple of things that stand out to me about that is number one, they choose, they weren't sent, right? Like Iluvatar didn't say, okay, so now mm. that you've sung, go make it happen. Instead, it's like they see the the vision of how it's going to play out and they're like we want to be part of that and so they're yeah. allowed to go and so the work that they do from the time that they enter into arda into the world is this joyous work that like they know its purpose mm-hmm. they know its beauty and its goodness and they know its possibility that it's not an idle waste of their time that their work isn't going to be just suddenly undone. And so they find this great joy of 
fulfilling that. Like, mm. oh, these are the things that we begun, and now we get to participate and engage in it. Right. And I think it's like the difference between, uh, like, any task that I'm doing because I have to. You know, there's that saying, the gr- the best way to ruin a hobby is to make it your job. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what it comes down to. For the, for the Valar, it's never a job. Like, yes, it's something important. Yes, it is a responsibility. But it's it's their desire to see it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not some outside, like, do this or else. Right. And it's not a... Uh, it's not a light work either. Mm-mm. You know, like I, I'm trying to think of, can't remember her name, but the, the lady who made the trees, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember her name. She's yeah. a big one. But anyway. I, I want to help out. Uh, but like she, she sang and thought and did whatever Valar do to create them. But like, I, I think it said something like she had to like, lay down like she's like she had to take a nap after that work like she had worked so hard for so long that it like drained her and so like it was interesting that in making these things and the pursuit of them it wasn't just hey this is you know like i'm naming fruit you know it wasn't like hey that's an apple and it's delicious you know he wasn't just sitting there tasting things which is the job i would want in eden (laughs) but like it was legit hard work and it was like you said, it was it was driven by desire, but there's also kind of this. I'm trying to connect it to the the what is it the true the good the beautiful the those transcendentals yeah one good true and beautiful yeah you know like they they kind of knew the truth because they were with Iluvatar right and mm-hmm. so now their work is like bringing out the good and the beautiful they're, they're like opening it up right so that they already have it their manways you know, basically in communication with the Luvatar the whole time. Yeah. And so like their work is not, it's worship. It is. And like, it's, it, it's this whole idea of sub creation that I think like applies so much to our own lives as well. Like we talk all the time about being created in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. And like, that's true for them as well. They are reflections of Eru Iluvatar's goodness and who he is. Um, And they're participants in his work and bringing about his vision. But, like, that's why the work of creation is so important and so natural to them. Mm -hmm. Because it's literally, they're created as a reflection of a creator. Which means they can't be more themselves than they are in those moments when they're doing it. When they're creating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like this idea that they are able to, like you said, open up what's already there. Everything in Arda that is ever going to be is already there from the time that they're entering in after the song has been sung. Mm-hmm. But it's about bringing it to the surface, manifesting it, making it real. And that connection, mm. that connection that they have to Iluvatar, that is what's like driving them forward because it's not about their, this goes back to something we were talking about. I think on the last podcast when we were talking about the greed and stuff is it's not about their glory, right? Like they're not making these things 
and then claiming, aha, I have made this. Yeah. Instead, it's, oh, Iluvatar showed us this, and I, I want to bring it, like, to life right now. Yeah, like, the one who I, did say I made this is the one who started it all downhill. Exactly. Kind of yeah. The, yeah. He yeah. he uh, he started that first step downhill that you know Arda never really fully bounces back for, from in this story. Yeah, and you know, like you kind of switched it up on me a little bit. So, like as we moved from you know creation into the hero tales, as I kind of call mm-hmm. it. I, I really resonated with the hero tales because I like the, the, I don't know if you'd call it Norse, Anglo-Saxon, like that areas, the idea of striving even yes. in the face of defeat, you know, like the Vikings, even if you were in, you know, glorious death, basically, you know, like even though Tolkien did not do glorious death, but the idea of like, even in the face of defeat, like you still went, right. That's the value. Yes. And so I was really kind of grasping onto that concept in it to where like I was seeing the striving to hold, like even if there was a pinpoint of light, like you would still face a world of darkness for that pinpoint of light, even if you knew you were going to, to lose, but you kind of rearranged it a little bit for me. And I'm thinking about the fall, right? Because like in the Silmarillion, there's not really a fall of creation, right? There is not creation is good. And then it is cursed mm-hmm. and it is now a sub level or it's a creation separated from God. Right. right. And so what it is, is Melkor, right? He sins basically fall, like changes it. And he brings darkness. And, and what he seems to do is kind of, he's the one that kind of brings a cloud that separates, right? Like it, it's not necessarily a Luvatar who, pushes creation away because they're evil. Mm-hmm. Melkor kind of brings darkness in and which creates a contrast light versus dark. And so now I'm sitting here going, okay, if you have a darkness and this work of creation is to bring forth like light, like how do I reconcile that with our concept of, you know, the fall of mankind and creation. And I'm like, do we kind of have it wrong in which we not totally, not theologically, but like the, where we're like, hey, I'm a fallen creature, but like, you know, and I can't do anything good, but like our job is to bring out, like, are you, are you tracking with me at all? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm struggling here. Down, like, I, I think definitely working in, co- go. So I think <laughs> I'm, I'm lost. The, the I got an idea, but I am like stuck. So I think part of it is, um, again, that somewhat of a misunderstanding uh, in terms of like the Valar, the Valar aren't us, right? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they are, they're the angelic beings. Mm-hmm. They're the one. You know, again, as close as a parallel, right? Exists, right, right? But when we look at you know the realities of the children of Iluvatar, the the elves and men, mm-hmm. then I think we see a lot more kind of what you're talking about with that, and that that's who the hero tales are about. Mm, right? Okay, and so from their perspective, they are like because of Morgoth's and then eventually Sauron's yep. corrupting influence, their connection to and their ability to understand and encounter Iluvatar you got, yep, is yep. being damaged. You're right, and the Numenorians after the, the like their Valar is uh, legitimately separated. Yeah, like, and, I was just going to bring that up. You're I mean, right. There, there no, is, you're right. Like, 
the actual fall where like the the land of Valinor is actually like so in the mythology it's actually a really cool thing that I kind of always look past until I start geeking out again which you know takes about 30 seconds or so mm-hmm. for that to trigger but like the world is originally flat mm-hmm. in the mythos of the Silmarillion and it's not until Valinor is like pulled away after the Numenorians commit this massive sin and it is the sin of the fall mm-hmm. it is the grasping at what is not theirs the one thing they were told not to do mm-hmm. in in the bible it's eating the tree eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge yeah in the silmarillion it's look man have been given the gift of uh death. their doom their judgment of death yeah. like that they will leave arda and so for them to try and grasp the immortality of the first children of the elves by trying to go to Valinor and claim for themselves by force this eternal life in Arda, that is the fall. They, they have attempted mm, to make right. themselves the gods. And as a result of that, Valinor, while still technically in the realm of Arda, is like separated and now... The globe is completed such that no matter how far west they sail, they will never be able. There is no. That's kind of. There is no more Valinor to the west. That's fun. That's really good. I like that. That's an interesting way for making the world round. Like I love that. <laughs> it's. It, I love it so much. He's. <laughs> and you, you know what's got me? I think is that the fall in in the Bible happens so fast right like Mm -hmm. it's like one of the first thing like there's creation and then you fall right like it's one two and here like there's we're spending so much time in valinar and you're right creation was not separated when satan was cast down right like Mm -hmm. his sin did not cause the separation of earth and i think that's what i was looking for because i mean even but I mean, like even the elves sin, right? Feanor yep. does the kin slaying and stuff like. But they're separated. But it's a different type of separate. Like, you know, when they leave, they're like, "Hey, just so you know, when you go, we're not with you. You're on your own." And so, like, mm-hmm. it's gonna suck out there without our help. And he says, "Screw you, pal. I'm going anyway." <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there is, to a lesser degree, the fall. You know, like a separation. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's compounded with the humans because we are the human. So, okay, that makes a lot more sense because I was, I was, I was having trouble finding the parallel. But we're a little early in the story now. Yeah, because the Valinor are there. But the idea of the the bringing the good through, like co-creating, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm on that. I'm stuck on that. Like co-creating which is bringing forth a good that we already know. And so I feel like there's something to grab hold of there is that, you know, like maybe we should be doing something creative that brings good truth and beauty into the world. And if we're not, are we not doing what we're supposed to? Uh, No, I, I think that's not even in my mind. That's not even really a question. Like, that is absolutely a fact. If we are not doing something that is creating, like co-creating, sub-creating, emphasizing, bringing back into focus what's one good, true, and beautiful in God's creation, then we're kind of just, 
wasting our time. Mm. But what I would say is we need to be careful not to too narrowly define the idea of creation. You know, um, when you come up with a way to explain something to your daughters such that like their little brains are uh, able to in some way kind of connect something to something that's good, that's creating. You've taken mm. what is already there, this truth that's out there, and you've created a picture of it for them that they can understand. Uh, so it's not necessarily that like we have to be, you know, I'm not going to be Michelangelo. Right. You can see the very boring white ceiling above my head. It's never going to be the Sistine Chapel. Right. For one thing, because I rent and I would lose my deposit. <laughs> but But more importantly, because... God has given me get many, many gifts. Yeah. Artistic ability ain't one of them. Not <laughs> even close. I joke all the time with my students. Like when I'm doing something where like th- there's an artistic element, I'm like, look, don't stress over it. I can't make a stick figure where the arms are the same length. Like I'm not here to like <laughs> grade you on that. But we are. We're by our nature, we are creative. Um and that reality is kind of, for me, what the life lesson is, is this idea of finding ways. And it is that idea of subcreation, where uh, there was some scientist, I can't remember his name, but he, he said very kind of uh, tongue in cheek, if a person wishes to make an apple pie from scratch, they must first create the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like th- this idea that like, you know, that humble recognition that we need to have of like, I'm not here to actually completely create something new. I'm going to take the things that God has already made and has already put in play. And I'm going to arrange those to the best of my ability to cooperate with where he's put me. And so it is this idea of, uh, I, again, I'm going to go ahead and double down and go to my other favorite author, GK Chesterton, who he basically said, no one has ever succeeded at being creative by trying to be. Mm-hmm. original thoughts come in original moments of inspiration. And so I would say, yes, we have to be participating in our role as co-creators, but it's very rarely going to be intentional. It's a lot more about doing the best we can in the situations we find ourselves in and having that connection to God such that what we do, if we're constantly striving for him, kind of going back to what you said, striving after that little pinprick of light that's coming through, then everything we build, everything we make, everything we create is going to be moving in that direction. Some of them are going to eventually lead to dead ends where we've got to turn around. Right. But they're all going to be bringing us closer than we were before we started. Hmm. I like that. I like that because I've, I've had, you know, I, I was using, you know, play on Solomon where I, I would say that, you know, like there was, never been an original idea. There's just original ways of saying old ideas, you know, like kind of the nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Um, But it's true, you know, like you're right. Like all of the truth is already there in God. It's the sub creation that we participate in is the bringing that out. Yeah. Bringing it, you know, making it known. And that's, that was all really good. Uh, I really liked it. 
For, okay, so for me, my life lesson around it is as as a creative, like I feel I felt a lot with with all of this sub creation and stuff like that because like as a writer, right? Like I feel different when I'm writing, right? Like when I'm storytelling, like it's it's hard, but it's energizing and it's exciting and then it's you know aggravating and it's all of these things that I could do day in and day out, you know, tirelessly and passionately, you know, granted, like I said, I have a, another lovely day job to do, but, but the idea like I'm working on my book right now, I told you that I'd shelved it for like 10 years because it overwhelmed me yeah. and now I'm pulling it back out. And it's like, you know what? Like I decided that it's not going to be perfect when I publish it because I can't afford like a perfect you know, editor and all of these things. So me, my friend's going to edit it and we're going to put it out there. And as you were kind of saying there, we're moving forward by bringing, by the act of creation and bringing it out there. It's not perfect and it's never going to be perfect, but we're kind of falling forward. You know, we're kind of like imperfectly moving in the right direction and, and we're not going to hit the perfect note every single time or the perfect story or any of that stuff. But like, but just the act of that sub creation and working and pulling these ideas together and bringing them out into the world, even if they're not perfect, but getting them out there, you kind of start to lean in that direction. You know, like you're riding a bicycle and you just start to lean and you turn and you go in that way. And I think that, so I guess in summary, my life lesson is to, to do it right. Like Mm. it don't, don't let fear hold you back. Like, participate in the the thing that you're called the gifts that you have that are creative and get them out there share them don't let them sit in a closet forever even if it's imperfect even if you know jerky mcjerk face talks trash about it that's fine right because god will use that to grow you and but get it out there because it's going to strike a chord with someone and if your sub creation can touch one life that changes the trajectory of their everlasting life one degree, then that effort was absolutely worth it. A hundred percent, man. Could not agree more. And it ties back into what you were talking about before too, that idea of stewardship. Mm -hmm. Like that recognition that what you're trying to point out when you create something is not your truth. It's a Mm -hmm. reality of the world that Mm -hmm. you're trying to make known And it's all about creating as many different signposts pointing in that direction as possible. Oh, yeah. So that the the more signposts there are, the more likely people are to find it. Yeah. And so, like, it doesn't matter that it's not perfect. It doesn't matter that the ink is smudged when you wrote This Way to God on there. Like, it doesn't – that's not the important thing. The important thing is that it's there. Mm -hmm. And that God knew you were putting it out there. And he knows who's going to, like, see it. And recognize it. Yep. 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 Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, I did not think we would, we had five podcasts in us out of this thing, but four, whatever we did. But it, it, it I, I've got another sense. 20 ready to go. I'm just not putting them on the list yet. I don't want to terrify you or our listeners. I'm going to hold off. I was going to say, I would have to go back and read it again to go that deep, man. Dang. But if you are going to go that deep on some Tolkien nerdum, be sure that you have some nine rings to go along with it. Hop on that website, grab some coffee. Uh, that's how you support this podcast. We don't really have any commercials or anything, so we sell we sell coffee. 
and we would love to roast some fresh for you and send it to you. Oh, yeah, we also have some cool swag. AJ's rocking his old school shirt. No school like the old school. <laughs> and uh, we got some other cool ones. I think I have some other designs I'll load on there eventually, but um, there's some good ones. Jump on there. Um, yeah, your support is greatly appreciated. Got anything else on your mind, man? Oh, no, man. I'm good for tonight. Very cool, very cool. All right. With that, everybody, we will say... Adieu.